you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Matthew chapter 20. We'll be looking at a few verses there, and starting with verse 29. But you know, what's interesting is that uh, the kingdom of God is not going to be like any kingdom we know on earth or anything we know here. Here, the people seem to reward and, and look to people who are full of pride or boastful or, or those who uh, seek to, to uh, get uh, the glory for themselves. But that's not what the kingdom of God is all about, is it? He's very clear here to these disciples who the mother come up wanted him to uh, wanted them to sit on his right and left side when he comes into his kingdom. And he says, no, the, the least of you will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. You know, I hear people all the time talking about they want to go to heaven because they want to, they want to talk to Paul and they want to uh, see this person. They want to see their loved ones. And, you know, I want to do that too, but I think for the first 100,000 years, I just want to be on my face in the, you know, at the feet of Jesus, just worshiping him for the love that he showed me. I've entitled this sermon, Was Blind, But Now I See. To be blind means that you're sightless. Of course, that's obvious, but uh, you're on, I, unable to process images because you can't comprehend light. And as Christians, we know that besides physical blindness, there's also a spiritual blindness that the world is in. In two weeks, we'll be celebrating Palm Sunday, then Resurrection Sunday. Sunday. And so many are blind to Jesus and who He is and that He is the light of the world. So today we're going to look at a miracle that Jesus performed when he restored the sight of two blind men. There are so many spiritual truths in this story that we need to see. Jesus has been traveling, like I tell the children, he's traveling from, from Galilee to Jerusalem. And on this trip, he's repeatedly told his disciples exactly what's going to happen so they knew. Like in Matthew 20, starting verse 18, he said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, for the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. On the third day he shall rise again. Jesus didn't want them to go up there and wonder what's going on. He wanted them to understand exactly what was going to happen, that this was the plan. That this was where he comes into his kingdom. Not by defeating the Romans and, and setting everything right in Jerusalem and in, in, in Israel, but by setting things right for those who are lost in their trespasses and sins. Jesus was traveling, but on the way he was ministering to people. But his plan is to be in Jerusalem for the Passover. They have now crossed the Jordan River, there were also many people heading to Jerusalem because it was time for Passover. All the Jews from other countries were flocking to Jerusalem for the feast. And many started to follow Jesus. And he was traveling with a great multitude that, in, that, uh, and, and that just enthroned him. This was all around him. And this is when he encountered the two blind men sitting by the road. So let's read Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 through 34. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, 
thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still, and called them, and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you, Father, for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Father, that you came to save us, despite of who we are, despite of the sins in our life, despite of this debt that we can't pay back. You come to pay that price so that we could have eternal life. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so blessed. But Father, we also need to realize that you came to die for the sins of the world, and there's so many people who don't know you, Father. And as your church, it's our job to work while it's still day, to tell people about your Son, to show them that there's light and that can, that can go through their blindness so that they can truly see who Jesus is. Lord, help us to understand this story, the importance of this crowd, the blind men, and more importantly, our passionate Savior who looked at people and gave all he had to them. Lord, we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we see two blind men who cried out to Jesus for help. They were physically blind, but in some ways, they were able to see better than the crowd that was following Jesus. I like how Luke describes this encounter. In Luke 18, uh, verse 36 37, he says, And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant, and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth passed by. Isn't it interesting? The blind men heard this crowd. They've been listening to people go by for days, and they sit there and wait and wait and wait, and they hear all kinds of people, but all of a sudden now this was a great crowd that came by, and they want to know what's going on. And the people told him that Jesus of Nazareth, a man, a rabbi, a prophet, was coming by and had a crowd around him. But the blind man cried out, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. The crowd saw a man, but the blind men saw him as the Messiah, as Lord, as deity. They were blind, but they had greater spiritual vision than that crowd did. So let's take a closer look at these blind men. Look at verse 30 again. Verse 30 says, And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. We can see the endurance of their faith. How long had they been there? See, I think we understand here that they call him Lord. They've already know in their mind, they know in their heart that this Jesus that they've been hearing stories about, and they've been sitting on this roadside waiting for him to come by. And all the stories they hear about how he, he healed this person, how he raised this person from the dead, and, and how he saved this person, and how he healed the lame and the leper, and they're hearing all this. And they've, they've, they've known in their heart that this is the Messiah. This is, uh, this is Lord. And they're still going to sit there and wait on him to come by. Listening as people pass by, begging for food and money, but listening to the stories of Jesus Christ. Believing that he was the Messiah and what they needed. And when they hear that Jesus is near, 
They cry out to Him. And the word here for cry, it means to make a loud noise, to squawk. It gives you the, the idea of like a woman in labor. A desperate cry. The same word is found in other parts of, the, uh, of Scripture. In Matthew 15.22, it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, for my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. A desperate cry of a mother crying for her child. But the word is also used in Mark 15, 13 and 14. It says, And they cried out again, Crucify him! Then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him! The crowd worked up into a frenzy of the, from the religious leaders, cried out for blood. They weren't just crying, uh, crucify him. They were screaming at Pilate and these Romans that crucify him. They wanted to see him dead. And Pilate heard these cries and knew that he had to give them what they wanted. These men were desperate. And they were loud. And no matter the size of the crowd, no matter the noise, they were going to make sure that Jesus heard them because they were determined to be heard by him. These men showed great faith and persistence. They weren't seeking physical sight alone. They were seeking salvation. They're good examples for us. And maybe this is why Mark gives us one of their names when he tells about this encounter. In Mark 10, 46, he says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind uh, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sit by the highway side begging. I want you to understand, it's important here that Mark mentions his name. He must have been known by the church as he followed Jesus and proclaimed the gospel. This blind beggar became someone who was known by the church. A wonderful picture of how we come into service. We are blind, but now we see. And we live to serve Jesus. There are also examples for us to follow. They call Jesus the Messiah. By calling him Lord, they are calling out of, in humility and asking for mercy. And verse 31 tells us that they didn't stop, even when the crowd told them to. Jesus was on a mission to complete his Father's plan for providing salvation for all. But here, this shows that there is no one too low for him to reach down and pick up. There's no one too low that doesn't touch the heart of our Savior. Jesus will go to the cross and die for the people, the least to the greatest. And these blind beggars were important to Jesus. He knew his death, burial, and resurrection was a gift to them too. And as his church, it's important that we don't let anyone slip by. So let's look at the crowd that followed Jesus. Look at verse 31. And the multitude rebuked them. And the multitude rebuked them. Because they should hold their peace. And they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. The crowd was focused on Jesus and on their journey to Jerusalem. They knew there was a feast headed. There was headed to a feast. They told the blind men to be quiet. They didn't see why they should bother Jesus. Most people at this time believed blindness or any other kind of defect was a punishment for sin. Remember the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples back in uh, 
John chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. It says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither have this, this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh, and no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The crowd thought these blind men were there because of their sinfulness, that they were under the curse and punishment and judgment of God, that this was their punishment, that they didn't deserve to be healed. They, they shouldn't bother Jesus with their petty concerns. They weren't worthy of his time. They were only sinful, dirty, blind beggars who have gotten what they deserve. The crowd didn't have time for them, and Jesus shouldn't either. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? The people that they pass by, that they, they look at them like they, they, don't, they don't mean anything. They, they get what they deserve. They're blind because they're, they're being punished for some sin in their life or sin of their parents, and this is what they deserve. Where are we today as, as a church of followers of Jesus Christ? Are we the crowd? Or, or are we the beggars crying out for the Lord to have mercy on us? As we follow Jesus, are there people that we ignore? Do we see some people as getting what they deserve? This is, you know, these are questions we would say, no, no, I don't think that way. But in your heart of hearts, do you really look at people sometimes and say they get what they deserve? Have we become callous to the lost? Or are we shining His light into the world? Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, my light is in the world. And Jesus is in the heart of every believer. So He's still in the world through His believers. We must never forget our place. We don't judge people. We just shine a light into their hearts, into their lives, so that they know who Jesus is. You remember the woman who got caught in adultery? And the scribes and Pharisees brought her before Jesus. They were trying to trick Jesus. They wanted him to condemn her to be stoned like that was the law of Moses. You remember what Jesus said in John 8, 7? So then they continued asking him, and he lifted up himself, and he said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And what happened? The men dropped their rocks and walked away. Jesus wants them and us to see a very important truth. If you are going to judge anyone, you must be sinless. Not forgiven of your sins, you must never have known sin at all. So only Jesus can judge. Only he can heal and forgive and restore and truly love. Only God can judge us, not us. And if this crowd was truly followers of Jesus, this would have been a whole different scene. The minute those blind beggars started crying out for Jesus, they would have went to the blind men. They would have gave them money and food and water, and they would have helped them up and would have led them over to Jesus because that's where they needed to be. And this is a picture of the church. This is what we should be doing. 
We don't condemn. We go out and give and, and help meet the needs and help meet the physical needs and then pick them up and lead them to Jesus Christ. But bring them to Him. Say, here. Who deserves forgiveness and healing? Nobody. But who does God offer His free gift of salvation to? Everybody. From the least to the greatest. We can't be like this crowd condemning people and walking on by like they don't matter to anybody. Hundreds of people pass by these blind people every day. Hundreds of people. They listen to the stories of people going by. They got their hand out begging for anything. They can't work. They're blind. They have no money. They have no job. They just need someone to care for them. And everybody just walks on by like they're nothing. Like they're trash along the side of the road. We can't let people slip by. When we are called to have the light of the world, and it says don't hide your light under a bushel, but let your light shine, part of shining that light means you have to go to them. You have to reach down. You have to give them what they're asking for. It may be money. It may be food. But if they know that you care about their physical needs, it gives you the opportunity to shine His glorious light into their life so they can see who Jesus is. We must shine His light into the blind world. I hate, I hate sermons like this. Because right, I, I wrote this sermon, I was sitting there at the house, and I didn't know what I was going to preach on, and all of a sudden, boom, I had it all done in like an hour, maybe two hours. And then I spend the rest of the time Letting that sermon I just wrote speak to me. And I sit there thinking about how many people I pass by. How many people I walk by daily. How many people do I just pass by and I don't give them a second thought. Not a word, not a smile, uh, nothing. I just kind of go on about my business. I'm, I'm focused on where I need to go. I'm going from here to here. And I don't have time for any of this other stuff to go uh, to talk to him. I, I got to go here to here. Why am I doing this for? Why are we, why are we so focused on our, our life and our day and the things that we have that we can't stop and spend some time ministering to those people around us? Because we don't have His compassion. So let's look at the compassion of Jesus. Look at verse 32. And Jesus stood still. The, 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 the Bible study we're doing on Wednesday nights talking one at a time. And, and this right here tells you all you need to know about Jesus. He heard them cry to him. He heard the crowd rebuke them. And he just stopped. And Jesus stood still. And he called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Jesus had compassion. <clears throat> Jesus had this way of giving his attention to those who needed him. 
He had a way of showing the true value of people. And all of our value is based on God's love for us. Remember when Jesus told his disciples, he said, I must go through Samaria. Why? He went all the way out of his way to go to a place where he never would go simply to meet that woman at the well. Why? Because she needed him. Jesus showed that he loved the least of us. Think about Jesus here for a minute. Just just think about it. He's on his way to, to Jerusalem. All right, he's crossed the Jordan River, he's gone through uh, Jericho, and now he's marching his way there. Imagine what's on his mind. Can you think? He knew what was going to happen when he got there. He knew that he was going to be betrayed by one of his disciples. He knew the trials he was going to face. He knew the torture that was in store for him. He knew the crowd would be screaming, crucify him. This same crowd here, part of this crowd that's now around him and, and and, and, and flocking and, and want to be with him, soon will be crying, crucify him. He knows the cross is coming. He knows his death is coming. He knew all this. But he didn't know how it was going to feel. Think about that. Our Lord and Savior has never felt this kind of pain before. He's human now. He knows what's going to happen. And in the garden, he's crying out, Lord, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let it pass by. But if not... So be it. He didn't know how this was going to feel. He knew he was going to be tortured. He knew he was going to be ridiculed and shamed. He knew these people he loved so dearly that he wanted to see that he had the light were going to cry out for him for his death. He didn't know how this was going to feel when it actually happened to him. Would he have the strength to continue? Or would he on that cross cry out for them legions of angels to come down and pull him off of there? He had a lot on his mind. The closer and closer he got, he was dealing with so much. He said, oh, God, I don't know. I'm going and this is what God wants me to do. This is what the Father called me to do. This is what I'm here for. And then he heard someone cry for him and he just stopped. None of that mattered anymore. What was about to happen to him took a back seat to the fact that someone needed him right now. And he asked, what will ye that I shall do unto you? And Jesus asked that of all who call upon him. They didn't want food. They didn't want money. They wanted sight. They wanted their eyes open. But why? So they could have a better life? So they could go out and get a job? So they could go out and start a family? Luke 18.43 says, And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. It's almost like they're crying out, saying, Lord, give us our sight so we can follow you. Lord, we don't want to step beside this road anymore. We want to go out and tell people about who you are, that you're the Messiah, that, that you've come to save the world, that, that you restore people, that you forgive sin, that you have planned a kingdom for everybody to be with you. We want to tell people about that. Give us our sight. They wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus showed them compassion. Hundreds of people walked by them daily. Hundreds of people ignoring them. If they said, please give me some food, they'd say, shut up and keep on walking. What did Jesus do? He touched them. That's my favorite thing, when Jesus touched them. 
I mean, he, he, he's done so many different ways. He heals people in different ways. He just speaks and they're healed. He just says, he told the, the man, he says, go home, your son is healed. He didn't have to be in the same vicinity of the child. He can heal any way he wants to. I remember when he healed the leper, he walked up and touched the leper. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to touch these blind men. But he did. Because he wants to know, not only am I going to heal you, but I want you to know that I care for you. That I love you. That you're my son. It's so important for us as followers of Jesus Christ that we be more like him. So many people along our roadside are just sitting there thinking that nobody loves them, nobody cares about them, nobody has any time for them. They just need someone to touch their life. Church, we're to touch people's lives for Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 29, Jesus is at, uh, uh, there's a lawyer who's questioning Jesus. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, and saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? It's a very telling question there. All right? What the lawyer was saying was, You're going to have to narrow this down for me just a little bit. Because I'm not going to love everybody as myself. You tell me exactly who I'm supposed to love, and I'll love them to get eternal life. And then Jesus gives him the story of the uh, Good Samaritan where everybody was passing by the guy, but the Samaritan came and picked him up, doctored his wounds, took him someplace and so he could stay. He said, everyone is your neighbor. Everyone that I put in your path is your neighbor. Don't sit and try to figure out who you should love and who you should not love. Don't, figure out, don't try to figure out who you should witness to and who you should not witness to. Don't try to figure out who you should give money to and who you should not. Don't figure out who you should love and who you shouldn't because I'm telling you, you love everyone as yourself. That's what a servant does. All in need. If you truly love others, then you desire to show them love, not judgment. We meet physical needs as you lead them to Jesus Christ. You remember the way Jesus touched you? I love that song. He touched me. I wish I could sing. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Church, we can't just pass people by. Everyone needs to feel that touch. Everyone needs to feel burdens lifted. Everyone needs to feel that they are loved by the Savior. And it begins when we show His love by shining His light. 
Are we more like the crowd or are we like the two beggars? I don't know. I know what. Let's be more like Jesus and love all people. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, it's just amazing to me as you read the stories of Jesus and you read how he uh, talked to people and how he uh, showed his love and his concern for everyone. And the little things that he said that sometimes we take for granted. You know, I heard the story many times about how he's talking to the lawyer and the lawyer asks him, well, who is my neighbor? And I thought, well, that's a, that's a good question to ask. And then as you start thinking about it, you realize... All that lawyer wanted to do was he wanted to be specific. He, wanted, he, he said, I'm not giving my love to everybody. I'm not giving my love to those blind beggars over there. I'm not giving my, my love to the lame. I'll give my love to my neighbors. And he's thinking in his mind, it may be something I need from them one day. I only give my love to people who can give it back. I only give uh, money and food and to people who can give it back to me. Jesus says, love everyone. If Jesus went to the cross and died for everyone, from the least to the greatest, then that's who we should love. And as his church, if we're going to truly reflect his light into this world, it begins with us doing that. Not letting anybody slip by. Not letting anybody pass by our way. Not being so focused on our destination that we miss all the little blessings and all the people that need Jesus that he puts in our path. That we should be working while it's day because night is coming with no men at work.